was inspired while writing my book by memoirs that connect personal history with natural history. When you start trying to write a book that makes you seem smart, you get to all these realizations that you know how to type something but not how to say it, which maybe means you're not quite as smart as you thought you were. Two stories stand out. One was the postal worker and how by following the million-dollar weekend process, he was able to change his life. And just sharing his story was really powerful. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet writer and editor Manjula Martin, stand-up comedian, writer, and actor Moshe Kasher, and entrepreneur and CEO of AppSumo, Noah Kagan. Tune in to hear which passages were their favorites to record and which author's book inspired them to take up DJing. Enjoy! Hi, this is Manjula Martin, author of The Last Fire Season, A Personal and Pyronatural History. I wrote my book because I wanted to tell readers what it's like to sort of live the everyday experience of the wildfire crisis here in the West. I think I was really looking for a way forward to figure out how to live at a time of great chaos during climate change and to live through a personal health crisis at the same time. And ultimately, I think I wrote the book in order to answer those questions for myself and hopefully for others, too. I was inspired while writing my book by other books, specifically memoirs that connect personal history with natural history, books like H's for Hawk by Helen MacDonald or Refuge by Terry Tempest Williams. Like those books, my book is a memoir that incorporates natural history and critical inquiry together. It tells the story of my experience of the 2020 wildfire season in California, where I live, and threaded throughout the narrative are simultaneous experiences I had of having a reproductive health crisis and learning to be connected to the land I live on by making a garden. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be cool. It was really cool. I learned so much about my book by speaking and hearing it out loud. The director of my audiobook had a lot of really sort of amazing things to say about the way that stories sort of transform when they become audio as opposed to visual narratives. And honestly, I learned a lot. It was really cool. I realized I have trouble pronouncing the word acorn, the seed of the oak tree, which is a very common tree here in California and features a pretty large role in my book. Apparently, my whole life, I have been saying acorn. So there was some comedy trying to figure out how to properly say it. I prepared for the audiobook recording by trying to drink a lot of water to stay hydrated and trying to get really good sleep the nights before I was recording, which I wasn't always successful at. I also sort of did some mental preparation of just 
thinking back on the book and kind of trying to center myself on the text, it had actually been a while since I looked at the text because it was, you know, between finishing the book and its publication. And just refreshing myself with the larger shape of the story and some of the feelings and sounds of the events in the book. My favorite section to record was probably two things. One is I really enjoyed reading out loud a chapter that comes toward the very end of the book that's called A Brief Pyronatural History of Women. And it's kind of like micro-histories of the relationship between women, women's bodies, and fire, fire of all types throughout history. It's just a lot of fun. And my other favorite thing to record, generally speaking, is probably dialogue. I tend to feel like when I listen to dramatic portrayals of things that are supposed to take place in California, people aren't always able to sort of nail the California accent, specifically the Northern California accent, which does exist. And so I really relish any time in the dialogue that I got to really sort of speak the way I actually speak in real life, especially any time that I got to say the word dude. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I have put a lot of thought into thinking about who would narrate my audiobook best. And I think the main requirement would be that it would have to be someone who sounds like they're from Northern California. I'm going to go with Winona Ryder, who I think is from around here. Other runners-up would be Molly Ringwald or Frances McDormand. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was An Immense World by Ed Young. Ed just has this like infectious enthusiasm in his voice the whole time he's narrating the book, which has a lot of really kind of complicated scientific theories and stuff about animals and their senses and their experience of the world. And the way he tells it is just he sounds so excited to be learning this stuff that you're also excited. I also learned from listening to that audiobook that he's British, which I actually didn't know because I've never heard him talk before, only read his work written. I love listening to audiobooks while I am walking. I consider taking long walks in nature to be an essential part of my writing process. It helps me sort of process my thoughts and, you know, work things out in my head before I get them down on the page. But I believe that in order for words to come out of me, words also have to go into my brain, and audiobooks are a great way to do that. I love to sort of just walk on, there's this one trail near my house that is on an old, like, abandoned railroad bed, and it goes through all these vineyards and oak woodlands, and there's lots of birds, and there's ponds, and it's very gorgeous, and there's nothing like just walking up and down that trail. It's about six miles, and listening to other people's words. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. The night of a dry lightning storm in Northern California, I woke up terrified. And from my bedroom window, I watched relentless spears of lightning shatter the sky. Zeus or Jupiter, very upset. Fire from darkness splintering the land. And I knew immediately we couldn't all survive this. People, critters, houses, trees... Max rolled over in bed next to me. There's going to be a fire, I said. We got up. It was 4.30 a.m. 
Hi, this is Moshe Kasher, and I'm the author of Subculture Vulture, a memoir in six scenes. I decided to write this book because my first memoir, Kasher and the Rye, ends the day that I get sober when I was just 15 years old, and I had so many people over the years writing me, asking me, well, what happened next? And I had purposely written that book to not describe what happened next. But when I started thinking about that question, what happened next, I started to realize a lot. I had lived in these different worlds. I had had this kind of life that had been formulated and constructed from these different little universes that had created who I am. And I think that's kind of true for everybody. Everybody is a product of the little worlds that their either happenstance or deliberate choices drop them into. And I love those worlds. In the book, those worlds are, of course, AA and drug rehab, Hasidic Judaism, raves, Burning Man, stand-up comedy, and deafness in American Sign Language. And I thought each of them deserve a book of their own. And I really was excited by the idea of doing something comedic that was also historical, because I love history. And so late one night, I started writing about my experience in the rave scene. And I thought, yeah, this could be a book. And I could cobble together all of these different things that I've done. This is the result of that. But the raves came first. If I had to describe what it was like recording my book in one word, this is not going to be one word, meditative, emotional, and that is a funny experience when you write memoir and you start reading it out loud, you find this experience of becoming emotional at things you already knew happened and words you already knew you wrote, but somehow putting them in your mouth and saying them out loud create this swell of memory that hits you in an emotional space you weren't prepared for. And I would also describe it as long, because it was long. Yeah, there's a word that I realized I didn't know how to pronounce. I mean, a lot of them. You know, that's the thing. When you start trying to write a book that makes you seem smart, you get to all these realizations that you know how to type something but not how to say it, which maybe means you're not quite as smart as you thought you were. But definitely the word urubus, urubuyus, you know, whatever is on the front of the never-ending story, you know, the snake eating its own tail, urubus, I still don't know how to pronounce it. Urubus, Orobus, autobus. Okay, my director has stepped in and told me it's Euroboros. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like you're accusing a Russian man of what his name is. Hey, you, Euroboros. It actually sounds like a slur a little bit. In terms of whether there was a favorite section to record, like I said, the raves came first, right? That's what I started writing first. And I spent my whole time writing that section while listening to old 1990s techno and house mixes and some new stuff, and I started to discover newer DJs and stuff. And at the end of the process of writing that section, I thought to myself, you know, it could be really fun to start DJing again. I am 44. It's not, I would say, an organic time to restart your DJ career. But as I announced that I was doing it, somebody told me that a suggestion that their therapist had given them was to start a hobby they had had when they were a teenager as a kind of, I don't know, healing exercise. So in a way, it's therapeutic, but I did start DJing again. I got a DJ console and I started mixing again. So I guess what I would say is I'm excited for you guys, you listeners, if you like that section, Google Moshe Kasher SoundCloud. It will take you to my mixes and you can listen to them and see what this writing process hath wrought in my relationship. It has gotten me ever closer to divorce because, as you may be able to guess, my wife is not super thrilled that there are slamming techno beats coming from my upstairs office now. I was supposed to be writing a book.
As an author, you'd think I would have prepared a lot for recording this audiobook, but as a comedian, I felt like, nah, I'll be okay, I'll wing it. I was not prepared for how academic and highfalutin some of the choices I made in this book were, so there were a number of things that I wished I'd researched before. There was a lot of things that were looked up to figure out how to pronounce, and if I had it to do all over again, you know, I might have uh, come in a little bit smarter. If I had to record this audiobook again, what I probably would have brought into the studio with me was another narrator, and I would have stayed home and kept DJing. But I'm kidding. I was very grateful to be able to do it. It means a lot to be able to do my own stuff and to have you hear it in my own voice. My dream narrator, if it was not me, to have done this book in my stead, probably Too Short, the rapper Too Short. I just feel like he gets me, and it would have been a very, very interesting pairing. So Short, if you're listening, maybe you could do the third book. I personally am an avid listener to audiobooks, partially because I do feel that my brain has been zapped and I'm incapable of reading text anymore, partially because the only time I have to myself these days is while I'm driving, and that is when I get my book on, as we say. And the last great audiobook I listened to was the Three Body Problem series, a super epic Chinese sci-fi trilogy. I was super transported to the degree that I almost got into car accidents. It was such a, um expansive audiobook that I had the text as well, so when I wasn't able to drive, I could keep up. I found the audiobook more easy to follow because it was so heavily Chinese. I, in my ignorant American gaze, had a difficult time reading the transliterated Chinese names and keeping track of everybody. Not to say that when I read uh, Game of Thrones, I knew who everybody was, you know, whatever Sir Clogaw of Darnock was. I couldn't keep track of that either. But there's something about having them audibly read to me that I could keep track of who everybody was better than in text. So in some ways, I would say that audiobooks, especially if you're a very ignorant American, there may be a superior form of taking on books. So take that, Library of Congress. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. Part of growing up is realizing that you haven't been walking a straight road to where you are now, that it's been a labyrinth the whole time. It's only in hindsight that you see how twisted the path has been. I wrote my first memoir in 2009, a chronicle of addiction and ridiculousness that ended when I was 15 and left rehab for the last time. I was a kid. That was almost 30 years ago, and now I'm a grown-up, I guess, despite the fact that my generation was the first to stop growing up altogether. Hi, this is Noah Kagan, author of Million Dollar Weekend, how to change your life in 48 hours through starting your own business. I wrote my book because there was two gigantic fears holding everyone back, creating their dream life, and especially being successful in having a business. And I was frustrated that there was no book out there in the past hundred years that was able to do it. So me and Tal Raz did it. So in this book, we address those two fears through fun challenges that everyone can do. And then we give a step-by-step approach to getting your first thousand, hundred thousand and million dollar business that you can start in one weekend. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be challenging. It is much harder to sit in a chair for five hours than I expected. 
Specifically, though, it's about how to enunciate each word, make sure the tonations are happening, make sure that the story is flowing, and it's mentally draining. I have a lot of respect for anyone who's ever recorded an audiobook. I realized I had trouble pronouncing realtor, realtor, that was a tough one, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, that one was a little bit challenging, just trying to say it and make sure it made sense, determine, because you're saying these things in sentences and when you talk to a friend, it's fine, but when you're trying to make sure it's super clear and slow for the audience to be able to hear it, definitely gets you tongue twisted. I am very excited for my listeners to hear the tonation. So there's different parts of the book where I'm sad, where I'm happy, or I'm telling them to be like, hey, pay attention to this, or hey, go do this right now. And I'm inspiring them through the tonation of my voice. And my favorite section was stories. So specifically, two stories stand out. One was Daniel Bliss, who is a postal worker, and how by following the Million Dollar Weekend process, he was able to change his life. And just sharing his post-experience story as inspiration for other readers was really powerful. And then sharing how my father at the end of the book and his story was really impactful on my own entrepreneurial journey. I'm really looking forward to seeing how people hear that because stories is what a lot of people remember from books. I prepared for the audiobook recording by me and my research team went to the top business books of our time on Audible and specifically looked at a lot of the different comments that people were saying about the audiobook. And then subsequently, we also went to my audience and said, hey, I'm recording an audiobook. Is there any specific requests that you have? So people said that speaking much slower than you expect, smiling. So as I'm smiling, more likely the reader is going to be smiling. And also, this is something in Atomic Habits, they said he mentioned his URL too many times. And so I did want to be mindful of that as I read my own book. I also talked to other authors So I talked with Pat Flynn and his assistant to just understand how they prepared or what they did for the book. And then I listened to a tremendous amount of audiobooks myself. If I had to record again, I would bring a lot of the similar things. One is called Entertainer's Secret. So anything that's a throat relief spray, I found that my lips were getting a lot chapped in here. So I brought lip balm. That was super helpful. One thing that I would have brought that's a little bit extra, but I think would make a big difference is your own chair. If you're going to be sitting four, five, six hours, really figuring out how can you be ultimately comfortable, because the more that you're feeling good, the easier the book and the message is going to come across for the audience. And a lot of caffeine. Tremendous amounts of caffeine. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Matthew McConaughey. So in the original version of Million Dollar Weekend, I actually had this whole section about Matthew McConaughey. And I figured he's in Austin so I can get a hold of him. And part of the book is about facing challenges, facing fears, and overcoming them. And I just thought, hey, it's Matthew McConaughey here. I wanted to thank everyone for reading Million Dollar Weekend. You're going to enjoy the book. Let's go have some good times. All right. I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny. And then I was like, I can do it myself. I'm really proud that I did it myself. I think that if you wrote a book, you're proud of the material. The audience wants to hear from you. So I'm glad I read it myself. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was All About Me from Mel Brooks. I love people who are creators, and Mel Brooks is one of the best directors of all time. And so hearing his journey and specifically behind the scenes and laughing a lot just makes it such an interesting audiobook to listen to. Specifically for me with audiobooks, I want biographies. I want to hear stories about people and such a fascinating person to be able to listen to. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is on my bicycle. (laughs) I bicycle a tremendous amount and 
half the time I'll put on an audiobook and just listen to some story. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook, Million Dollar Weekend. Noah, today's your last day. That June day in 2006 was just like any other. I woke up at the Facebook house where I lived with the other guys who worked in Mark Zuckerberg's dream world. That morning, we all drove to the Facebook offices in Palo Alto. I sat down and began playing around with some modifications to a new feature I helped invent called status updates. Suddenly, the guy who hired me, who's now worth over $500 million, said, Hey, let's go to the coffee shop across the street to talk about work. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.